This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Today is Monday, April 26, 2021. On this day in 1982, South Korean police officer Woo Bum-kun drunkenly slaughtered 56 people in his rural farm community. It was one of the deadliest massacres by a lone gunman in modern times. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of this killer's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of domestic abuse and mass murder that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Today we're covering Woo Bum Kun's horrific shooting spree. The 27-year-old South Korean police officer single-handedly butchered 56 innocent souls and injured 35 others in an eight-hour booze-drenched frenzy. Let's go back to Uryung, South Korea on April 26, 1982. According to their neighbors, Wu Bum Kun and his common-law wife, 25-year-old Chun Mal Sun, lived in Sin. Not yet officially married, the couple resided in the conservative farming village of Er Young, around 170 miles southeast of Seoul. The people of Er Young not only gossiped behind the couple's backs, but also confronted them with daily disapproval. While Mal Sun dismissed the town's idle talk, it chipped away at Bum Kun's spirit. Lately, he'd been so low, he didn't even want to go to work as a police officer in the neighboring village of Kung Yu. The night shift was a slog. The ex-Marine sergeant served his time in the military, as all Korean men were obligated to do, but he struggled to find real purpose in his work as a cop. To make it through some pretty exhausting evenings, he'd grown accustomed to late afternoon naps. If Mal Sun wasn't tired enough to rest by Bum Kun's side, she tiptoed around the apartment, trying her hardest not to wake her hard-to-please partner. But on that late April afternoon, a fly was buzzing around the apartment, driving Mal Sun mad. And when it finally landed on Bum Kun's chest, she absentmindedly swatted at it with her open palm. The slap was so intense, Bum Kun woke in a rage. Mal Sun tried to explain, but Bum Kun wouldn't have it. Though their row began about a fly, it ended where all their arguments did. Chun's family objected to the couple living together out of wedlock. But there was no time for fighting. Bum Kun had to be at work in an hour. So while the groggy policeman screamed at Mal Sun, he threw on his uniform. In a rage, he headed out the door. Once he reported for duty around 4 p.m., 
Bum Kun pulled out a flask of whiskey and nursed his woes. It didn't take long for him to hit a point of utter intoxication. Still fuming, he abandoned his post and made his way back home. Just after sunset, Bum Kun staggered into the apartment. Mal Sun welcomed him home, but before she could apologize, he drew back his fist and punched her in the face. As blood dripped from her nostrils, she watched her man grab another bottle of whiskey and wander off into the night. Back at the station, Bum Kun's co-workers were in a meeting, so he entered the armory with ease. He stocked up on serious weaponry, grabbing whatever he could get his hands on. He found seven hand grenades, 180 rounds of ammunition, and two World War II-era fully automatic M2 carbines. Around 9 p.m., Bum Kun left the station. He saw a young man standing right outside the building and opened fire. In the blink of an eye, the victim fell, lifeless. He was only 26 years old. Next, Bum Kun made his way to the post office. There, he killed three other innocent bystanders. He cut the postal worker's phone line so nobody could call out to report the emergency. Terrified witnesses fled to nearby rice fields for cover. But Bum Kun continued his rampage, heading next to the nearby town of Tarongni. Not only did he shoot several passers-by, but he also ran into his girlfriend, Chun Mal Sun, who'd gone to find him. Without hesitation, he shot her with the M2 carbine. Then he chucked a hand grenade into a neighboring market and killed six more. He was on the warpath, but villagers trusted he was simply on duty. He was in uniform after all. Not only did people assume he was protecting them, but they invited him into their homes. He went from village to village, gaining entry to private residences and killing the families inside. Any lighted window was an invitation to Bum Kun. He knocked on the door and shot whoever answered, or chucked a hand grenade into the foyer. One trusting villager opened the door and mentioned he was hosting a wake. Even then, Bum Kun sent bullets throughout the house. Some residents ran for the rice fields, but others were trapped and killed. Hours into his murderous spree, Bum Kun ordered a teenage schoolboy to grab a soda for him. The boy ran to the nearest market and returned with the drink. He handed it to Bum Kun, who downed it, then thanked the child by killing every member of his family. Just before moving on, he shot the kid, too. In the darkness, the renegade cop found it easy to hide. He killed 18 people in the small township of Anji and 24 more in Pyeongchon village. When the rest of the police force was finally notified, they struggled for hours to locate Bum Kun. The massacre went on for eight hours. When law enforcement reached Bum Kun at last, he was holding a family hostage in a rural farmhouse. Finally surrounded, he pulled the pins in his last two grenades and clutched them tightly. Within seconds, Bum Kun was dead and so were three of the four family members he held captive. The family patriarch only barely survived. 
And though Wu Bum Kun was dead, his story wasn't over. Coming up, the aftermath of the massacre. Hi, it's Carter from ParCast, and I'm hosting the new limited series, Hollywood Scandals. We all know that Tinseltown is the land of glitz and glamour, but look closer past the allure of bright lights and red carpets. There, you'll find a more disturbing tale, one filled with tragedies and transgressions so damaging they've turned hopes and dreams into high-profile nightmares. Every Monday on this Spotify original, discover the real-life dramas of some of entertainment's biggest names. From the mysterious drowning of Natalie Wood and the murder trials of comedian Fatty Arbuckle to the star clients of Hollywood Madam Heidi Fleiss. Each episode of Hollywood Scandals has been curated from shows across the ParCast network, covering over a century's worth of controversies, from the silent era into the digital age. Fame and fortune may be fleeting, but scandals, they stand the test of time. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Hollywood Scandals. Listen free only on Spotify. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Now back to the story. On April 26, 1982, 27-year-old former Marine Wu Bum Kun carried out one of the largest killing sprees in modern history. The murderer took 56 lives and wounded another 35 before taking his life by suicide. After the rampage, authorities discovered Bum Kun fired all but 10 of the 180 rounds of ammo he'd stolen from his job with the Kung Yu police. In the wake of the killing, investigators had serious questions for the local police. For instance, when law enforcement was first notified of Bum Kun's actions, he'd already been killing for one hour. Still, he circumvented capture for another seven hours. National police weren't even made aware of the events until hour five. Officials and citizens alike needed to hold someone accountable, but weren't initially sure who to blame. The newly elected prime minister, Yu Chang-su, had only been in office for three and a half months, but he was already experienced enough to know he had to act fast. In the wake of the massacre, he immediately formed a five-member cabinet committee to handle the fallout from the murderous incident. He sent 15 prosecutors straight to Eryang. The country deemed the massacre a shameful and inexcusable failure of South Korea's security system. Citizens questioned their safety and the nation's ability to react in real time to any danger. Given South Korea's history with its northern neighbor, it became apparent the people needed a new administration to ensure protection from potential North Korean guerrilla attacks. 
In the end, South Korea's Minister of the Interior, She Chung-hwa, assumed total responsibility for the breakdown among protective forces and tendered his resignation. Following suit, the National Chief of Police, A. Young-mo, resigned too. Locally, the provincial police chief was also suspended. Four of Bum Kun's colleagues were arrested and charged with neglect of duty for failing to prevent the killer from stealing ammunition and grenades from the armory. While the stunned national government scrambled to find out why no one prevented Wu Bum Kun from destroying his rural community, someone higher up still had to take the blame. So, on May 20th, 1982, Prime Minister Yu Chang-sun was forced to step down after only five months in office. In the end, nobody really knew why Wu Bum-kun went ballistic. His girlfriend, Chun Mal-sun, survived her injury and eventually offered that Bum-kun had always suffered from an inferiority complex. But whatever his deeper motive, the devastation and loss he caused were immeasurable. One can only hope that the changes enacted following the shooting ensure something like that never happens again. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by John Levinson, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells and Alex Benedon, and fact-checking by Haley Milliken. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hey there, Carter again. Before you go, remember to check out my new podcast limited series, Hollywood Scandals. In anticipation of the Oscars, we're unearthing some of the most sordid controversies in showbiz history. Tune in every Monday. Follow Hollywood Scandals free only on Spotify. <laughs>